Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. A shepherd should smell like the sheep, uh, so to speak. You know, our, the leader of a country should be in with the people, meeting with the people, hearing the needs of the people. To be shooting at the people that you're calling to lead, to me, just sounds like tyranny. I don't know how we have fallen so far uh, to the point where we're using such uh, force on people that, as you mentioned, were demonstrating peacefully, exercising, to my understanding, democratic rights. Well, hello everyone and welcome to The Last Days. I hope that you like my new studio. Uh, it's huge and we don't have to pay for it. <laughs> well, not directly, maybe through taxes and all that's going on. Maybe the good people doing big announcements uh, are part of you know what we get when we contribute our taxes to have this place and all the noise going on. It was so quiet a moment ago. <laughs> hey, I'm excited to uh, be with you today. We did not want to um, miss out on having Incredible pastor who in Canada has stood like a tower of strength in the face of what we faced this last two and a half years. And many of you know that I have been traveling to different places in Canada and in the United States. And what happened this last two months actually going through Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, is I got to meet some real heroes. What was hard this last two and a half years for all of us was to see the compromise and to see those that did not stand. Those that actually accepted bribes. They accepted bribes in order to comply with the agenda. And we know this because we met pastors along the way that received letters letting them know that if they would go along with all of the mandates and would actually support that narrative that they would be receiving some pretty major bucks into their church. And I complained about that for the last couple of years. I didn't like it. I didn't like that all kinds of places just refused to stand against what was happening. There seemed to be no common sense. Well, Pastor Dan Roberts is not one of those pastors. And um, he is the pastor of Life Church in Muskoka. Muskoa? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, it is Muskoka, right? So it was just written wrong there, but, um, and they are an, uh, an apostolic hub in Ontario and they had to make choices during this last episode. What would they do in the face of all that was happening? What would they do? And so Pastor Dan Roberts, I hope that you'll come on so we don't have to listen to the huge announcements going on behind me. So thanks for being with us today. I appreciate it very much. I, I hear that you've been married like 27 years, and I don't know if you've spent all those years in Muskoka, but tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Laura Lynn. So great to be online here with you today. And there's not too many exciting things to talk about me. Uh, I've pastored for a lot of years, did have a background in aviation, and actually was raised in a hardworking family in the funeral business. So I'm a, I'm a retired funeral director, uh, got called into ministry, and we've planted a couple of churches. Uh, this one here in Muskoka was planted in 2018. Uh, and really when we came into the Bracebridge area, it was right when COVID was just, uh, 
being released, I guess, to the public, the, the knowledge of it or us finding out even what, what COVID was. Uh, so it's been an, an interesting couple of years since then. Uh, and we literally have occupied a large 10,000 square foot building uh, since uh, right at the start, I think it was 2019, uh, when we got our occupancy to, or to get in here, we didn't get occupancy. We were starting to renovate the building. So that's just a couple of minutes about myself. Well, that sounds really cool. Um, and you know, everybody faced a real difficulty this last two and a half years. Uh, and churches in particular struggled because a church is there to care for the community. And you knew that. Same with, uh, I'm traveling right now with Pastor Art Pulowski's wife, and they were still feeding the poor in the cold and were getting ticketed and basically arrested for things like that and very harassed. But what was it like in Ontario when you knew, first of all, if you could go back to the beginning when we didn't really know what COVID was, what was the initial reactions and then how did you make decisions on how you would govern your church to help the community that you serve? Well, we're maybe a little bit different than I would say in a typical church because we were a church plant. So we were actually meeting in a local venue uh, that we rented on a weekly basis. Uh, so we had to actually comply to their regulations for a season. And to be very forward with you, at the beginning of of it all i thought oh this is this isn't gonna last this is a couple of weeks uh and it'll be over and we'll get on to building this church that we feel called to do here in the muskoka region and to answer your question how do we how did we make decisions well we make decisions by consulting our eldership praying into it and being led of course by the spirit of god and we know where the spirit of the lord is allowed to be lord the Bible tells us there's liberty, there's freedom. And our definition of freedom is the ability to choose. So just to make sure it's clear, as a, as a Christian, we, we're not called, especially as a Christian pastor, we're not called to control people or manipulate people. We're called to release the goodness of God. We're called to speak forth the truth of his word and allow people to have an invitation to receive a free gift. So making decisions, we always are looking for the best for people in order to get the message of the good news, the gospel out to reach as many people. And that does not stop. No matter what's going on in our economies, no matter what's going on in our society, we believe the kingdom of heaven is always good. God loves people. He wants to touch his people. He wants to minister to his people. So during that er those early stages, we did whatever we could to weekly have a gathering, sometimes in parking lots. I think we even had a trailer, a back of a pickup truck. We went into our living room uh, for a couple of Sundays where it was just me with a guitar and my wife and daughter uh, and son. And that was the beginning stages, whatever we could do to weekly be there for the people, releasing the reality that the kingdom of God is good, that God loves people, that, uh, you know, we're called to believe. Uh, and if, if we have faith in God, anything is possible. You know, there's such a difference between uh, your view 
of the ministry, the power of the living God in, in, in challenging times um, from some other pastors who serve the same God, uh, claim to have relationship with the same Jesus, but they, uh, in British Columbia and across Canada, we saw that many churches, literally, they said, well, you have to have a vax pass in order to get to church. What, where do you put that on the scale of, like, what would Jesus do? I mean, that was hard to watch the difference between your thinking and their thinking, same Bible, same God, same Jesus, totally different um, reactions to what was happening. Well, I, th I think if we go back to the ministry of Jesus, Scripture is quite clear that the people at one point wanted to make him a political ruler. In fact, some of his disciples thought that that was what was going to happen. Of course, when the crucifixion happened, a lot of them were devastated or all of them ran because they figured that's it. It's over. It was three days later when he rose from the dead that the reality of what God really was doing was being revealed. And he was never motivated by the spirit of man. God was always motivated by the spirit of his heavenly father. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus said, I do nothing unless you know I hear it from my father. So who am I to look at somebody and judge whether they are allowed to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ based on man's criteria? I could not live with myself if I said I'm going to select who is allowed to come into a sanctuary and receive from heaven, uh, be allowed to worship uh, our, our creator. Uh, fortunately, it, we never came to that here in our location where we had to literally decide, are we going to turn someone away or not? But I will tell you, as, as an eldership, we discussed it and we were in agreement that no one has the right to tell another human being whether they're allowed to worship their creator or not. So we certainly have gone from the stance uh, that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. It's a free gift. And as one of my friends in ministry often does, he'll he'll take a $100 bill or something and hold it up and says, who wants a $100 bill or who wants a $20 bill? And of course, somebody at some point, Canadians are so conservative, it usually takes a couple of tries to get someone to come up to the front to, to take it. And then he'll hold on to it tightly and they have to pull it out of his hand. And he says, well, it's a gift, but you have to receive the gift. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. You have to receive it, but you have to take it as well. And uh, certainly as a spiritual leader, there's this, a code book that I go by, which is the Bible. And we certainly honor our civil authorities. We want to honor them. We, and I pray for our leadership in Canada. But there's also a responsibility for our leadership in Canada to lead people towards freedom and justice and the freedom of their speech. As soon as that's starting to be infringed upon, we have a responsibility to stand up. And I encourage pastors, you have a voice. You need to be standing up for what is right and what is true and allowing your congregation the ability to choose what is right and what is true. I sure do love that explanation you just gave. Um, that that Bible verse can be really uh, misinterpreted by people who 
you know, hear the word violence uh, and the violent take it by force. And um, that that is such a good example. Like uh, it, it, it could be the language that can get a, a bit um, difficult, you know, the way it's interpreted or whatever. But it really means that those who seek it, those who want it, um, they press in to receive it. Mm -hmm. Would that be accurate? Absolutely, Laura Lynn. I, I, over the years, remind people that God's not cheap. Uh, you know, it's a free gift, but he's not a cheap God. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold, all the silver belongs to him. He raises one person up and takes another one down. And he always gets the last say, but he's not cheap. And he sure, certainly shouldn't be uh, compared to uh, uh, poverty uh, or lack. He is the creator of all. And so those people that choose to align with his kingdom will be blessed. It may take a bit of a fight. It may take a bit of a, a, a grabbing onto and weathering the storm. But he is the immovable rock. And we've built our lives upon that. And unfortunately sometimes can you know we get what we have overall asked for and unfortunately i believe in canada right now some of the decisions that have been made has become is because of the lethargy of the local uh and i'll just give you a small example in our community here we went to a local fair a couple of years ago and had a spot uh, to minister to people, to be there, to do actually spiritual readings, which I took a lot of flack for because people were saying, what's a church doing spiritual readings? And I said, well, what church is not doing spiritual readings? Uh, but anyway, uh, my point is uh, there was no church service on the Sunday at this small town fair. And I thought, what has happened in Canada? Why Sunday in this, you know, three-day fair, Friday night, Saturday, and then Sunday. Why is there not an hour service? Not, not for my church or definite, you know, my specific uh, place in the kingdom, but all the churches in our region. Why is that not happening? So that's a small thing in right now what we're working towards here in our area to make sure that on Sunday morning, again, we have a church service to pray for our businesses, to pray for our families, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our MPP, to pray for our mayor. So it just takes a little bit of activity. Uh, we need to get out there and do what you're doing, Laura Lynn. You're in an airport right now because you're doing the stuff. Yeah, it, it is uh, exciting. But um, now, but something happened like, so on Sunday, April 18th, 2021, the Ontario police forcibly entered a church. It, was that your church? Yes, it was. Uh, very interesting Sunday. Uh, they, the build, we were renovating this building, so uh, there was no signage outside. The police did know it was a church service. We had found out afterward that uh, a couple of the officers were in a local coffee shop when the call came in that they were asked to respond to. And someone said, oh, there's a church in that building. They knew they were coming to a church service. Uh, for whatever reason, went up a back uh, fire escape, entered through a children's classroom that was in session. My daughter, who is the children's pastor, had 
once they uh, had identified themselves outside of a locked door, said, we're the police, uh, you need to open up. She opened the door, greeted them and said, you know, this is a, a church service. And unless you have a warrant, you're not, you're not allowed to enter in and disrupt this service. And apparently this happened three times uh, and they went past her. I was in the middle of preaching at the time, had no knowledge they were even in the building. Uh, quite a difficult uh, season for us back in 2021. A uh, lot of confusion that day. Uh, the police, unfortunately, misinterpreted the law at the time, as many people were so confused. We were allowed 15% of building capacity, but that law was going to change at midnight on Sunday night down to 10 people. And unfortunately, the police, I believe across Ontario, misinterpreted that and thought it had already come into effect because there were multiple churches in Ontario that were visited uh, that Sunday by local police and were told they were not allowed to. Now, unfortunately, our situation wasn't handled gracefully or respectfully and really demonstrated ignorance. And I, I know that's a harsh word, but really ignorance uh, upon our civil servants when confronted with the fact that this was a religious service and a comment was made by a civil servant, oh, you're Christians, this isn't a religious service. And, and about our constitutional right to meet and how the constitution didn't apply. And, you know, a, a 110 pound young girl is met with three armed officers upstairs with a kid's classroom, you know, kid's teaching session and they're asked to leave and they don't respect her authority in that room they come in anyway get into the building really enter in my mind illegally uh anyway it was a barrage of the lack of understanding of really the rights of a canadian citizen and definitely the local church and the honor uh that should be displayed for ministries that are trying to assist people through what we were all very tired at that time. Uh, and really all of us were doing our best to comply. We had notices up. We were not a rebel church in, in any means. And we did comply uh, with the request to dismiss. And I was ticketed and was acquitted, you know, months and months later after fighting and after going through just all kinds of personal trauma over uh, that day. And really our congregation, the children made a comment, are they gonna shoot us? That's not the picture that the local law enforcement agency wants. And I know out of the six or seven or might've been even eight officers were present that day, likely only one of them wanted to be here. I believe the others didn't even wanna respond to the call. But what is happening in Canada right now? This, this Christian country, that has been founded on Christian principles and moral law and, and the honor uh, that we all have for what our forefathers have fought for uh, in, in World Wars I and II, the freedom that we enjoy. What is happening uh, in our country when right now many pastors are facing all kinds of outrageous fines uh, and, and persecution, really religious persecution right here in Canada that just a few years ago, we thought this would never happen in our lifetime. And here we're living it right now. What Canada needs right now is some strong leadership. 
and and dis, decisive leadership, leadership that will meet with the people in good times and bad times, grassroots leadership that will come out of the ivory tower and get on the hill and talk to people. I watched you, Lauren Lynn, on Canada Day. I watched you online interacting with our people. And my question that whole day, that celebration, Canada Day, I thought, where is the leadership of our country? Why are they not out in the streets talking and interacting with the citizens of Canada? 100%, um, Pastor Dan, thank you very much. Um, um, so I had an interesting um, thing happen yesterday in a U.S. church where I'm down here speaking with Pastor Arplowski. And I think it's very important what you're saying about what has happened and what are we actually going to do because we have not seen the church respected and in many cases our own have betrayed the church in some ways. The church has been divided in how to uh, respond. And so there have been, like to, to take it quite a, a length, like down here in the U.S., they've had all of these shootings. You may have heard of them. So I've been down here every single day. You hear of this shooting in the mall in Indiana. A 20-year-old went. He shot three people and then harmed some others. And then a 22-year-old who was carrying a legal fire went and shot this guy dead in the mall there would have been many many more um, people dead uh, so I'm having a talk with the guys at the church last night and I'm saying you know this is quite something that's going on in your churches down here and he said well it's or uh, sorry in, in your uh, you know public places and he said well it's not gonna happen here you know because like we're all packing <laughs> Right. Like it's quite a difference between the way that the U.S. and the Canadians are operating with the Second Amendment. The U.S., they all feel, especially in Republican states, not always the Democrat states, you're not allowed to conceal and carry in a lot of the Democrat states. But it's not that they're not having a lot of killings because the gangs don't care about any laws. Now, why I bring that up is when we were in Ottawa, Pastor Dan, we were unarmed citizens protesting on the streets of our capital where in a country where we pay taxes quite heavily i might add we were in our provincial or country's capital and we were protesting legally as defined by a judge who stated that it was a legal protest in actual fact but nonetheless even if you dispute that our government our prime minister came in and and shot rubber bullets. One of them went through a guy's cheek. Uh, one uh, hit a guy in the eye, and others were hit with beanie bags in the face and tear gas. And th they weren't even truckers. They were citizens that were there to up about freedom. So when you talk about the fear that children might have of the police who just come in and maybe are overbearing on our citizens and then Trudeau wants to remove guns and I, I, I'm not here to have a gun discussion with you but it really upsets me that the freedom that we are supposed to have is is being taken away and then lorded over and actually terrifying and you use the word I believe the the, the trauma of what happened to your church and personally at your facility like talk a bit about that is this where we've gotten to you know it's quite 
it's quite a predicament, really. It is an interesting time in world history. And, you know, a pencil never failed an exam. The pencil had to be in the hand of the person that failed the exam. And uh, without saying too much, because I don't want to get into a gun debate either, guns don't kill people. People that holding the guns kill people. Uh, but really what we need, and I've stated early, is leadership at this time. Uh, what's happening in our society right now, we just had two ministries through our church, well-known, recognized deliverance ministries, where we filled our building with people with needs, people crying out, people that have been hurt and broken and traumatized through uh, what is happening in our nation right now. So anybody that doesn't think uh, that we're in crisis just needs to visit a church that's meeting the needs of people. And they'll soon recognize that it is so, so important from the top down that we lead by example, that we are meeting on, you know, a shepherd should smell like the sheep, uh, so to speak. You know, our, the leader of a country should be in with the people, meeting with the people, hearing the needs of the people, to be shooting at the people that you're calling to lead, to me, just sounds like tyranny. I don't know how we have fallen so far uh, to the point where we're using such uh, force on people that, as you mentioned, were demonstrating peacefully, exercising, to my understanding, democratic rights, being a voice saying, hey, something is not right here, and we want to know why, and what has happened? Why are we at this place in Canada that questioning something suddenly says that I'm non-compliant? And what am I non-compliant with? God is the one that gives us the ability to think, not a government. And God is the one that has given us the ability to reason and look at things. It shouldn't be gov government that's dictating whether we're allowed to question. It's our God-given right as a human being. And the only way that this country is going to get back on her feet is through communication and where leadership is willing to meet with face to face, not lock people up and throw away the key, but in meet with people face to face and work these things out at a grassroots level. We're hardworking people, our forefathers and many people that have even emigrated to this country since then work hard to put food on the table. Why is that being challenged now? I, I don't understand, but as a, as a church leader, I realize the needs are so great right now. And the economy, what's been happening with that is putting even more pressure and burdens on families to work harder for less income and children that need more time with their parents. It, it's a challenge for the parents to do that when almost both of them need to go out and work just to bring home the bread to keep the lights on. Yeah, 100%. Um, what do you and um, your board uh, do in order to prepare for a next season? We have uh, rumors that we are going to be back into masks and also, um, you know, to prepare for the seventh wave, you know, and wear our seven masks. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't want to 
Well, first off, I don't want to get you in trouble before it even begins. So these are dangerous questions to ask. Hey, what are you going to do? But it it is a strategy that we have to consider in preparing for the future that this potentially could be happening again. And it would be really great if there was a concerted effort where all um, pastors, all churches um, fought back in the same way or stood together. I think that we could shut the whole thing down. Unfortunately, in our country, we're not seeing that everyone's on the same page. So um, what is the strategy that, that you think is necessary looking at the fall, what potentially we might see how to deal with that? Uh, I'm not afraid of the question. I think it's a great question. What are we going to do? I'm going to, as a pastor, I'm going to go a little, you know, I'm going to take a, a scripture and say, you know, tomorrow has enough worries uh, or today has enough worries of its own that I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. So it's kind of a double-edged sword or, you know, there's a ditch on either side. I'm going to go right down the middle and say, you know, we have to plan for the future. Absolutely. So I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about the what ifs, but we also have to live in the moment. And we, unfortunately, fear is so crippling. There's people that they're missing out on precious moments with family right now. They're they're because of fear or they're negating uh, needs to enjoy the summer because they're afraid of the fall. So I think you need to live in the moment. And then I think we all need to be communicating better for the future. And that is what I would say our strategy as a local church is that we're empowering people like yourself, Laura Lynn, that are out there doing the stuff. Not all of us can go and travel around and talk with other churches, with other ministries. I think it's in John chapter 17 that when Jesus is praying for people and he's praying to the Father, it's his departure time is very soon. And he's saying that his prayer is that even as we are one, meaning Jesus and his heavenly Father, his prayer is that the people would be one meaning that they would come together. And, and we've got to let some of the judgment go uh, where our beliefs may differ a little bit. And we've got to unify over the main things. And that is that people need social. We need to be able to get together. Grandparents need to spend time with their grandkids. The human body is absolutely amazing. It is so resilient. And history has proven that the human body is able to uh, develop an immunity system. I better not. I, I better not get off track. Uh, get to get back to your question. What are we doing? We are <laughs> communicating. Fine. We are staying in good relationship with people all across Canada into the United States. We're empowering people like yourself that are willing to do the hard miles on the road to bring us together. We're remaining open because we understand that in the presence of judgment is usually the absence of love. And so if I'm always judging people, I'm missing out. I need to listen to my, and maybe try to put the sho my, the, their shoes on my feet and try to come from their perspective in, in what's going on. So we're communicating lots and staying open for the future. I love it. You're my kind of pastor, uh, Pastor Dan. I just appreciate you taking time. Is there any final word you want to say to your fellow pastors? I know a lot of pastors uh, watch this show and um, some of them don't even like me because uh, uh, not many, only the ones that, you know, did the Vax Pass and all of that. Uh, they, they know I wasn't happy about the, this uh, kind of compromise, but a lot do. And I, I have a really 
uh, broad audience of those that are faithful believers that are wondering about Canada and kind of feel like we're in a bit of a crisis. Could you give a final word of hope and, and how you see it and where we are with our nation? And yeah, we'd love to hear from you on that. Oh, thanks so much for that invitation to speak into that. We're absolutely in crisis right now, 100%. It is so volatile right now. And as pastors and leaders, people are coming to the church to be reassured. So I can only give away what I have. And so I need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I need to understand that he is Lord of all, that in his presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength that he's equipped us and and you know rough seas make good sailors but god always gets the last say and so i want to encourage if you're a pastor or a christian leader you need to be in this season worshiping being thankful being grateful that god is so for you that if god is for you who can possibly be against you and the bible tells us that the only way to please god is to have faith and of course when jesus himself was asked what must we do to do the works of god jesus's response was only believe well what am i believing in am i believing in that man has the last say that man is going to dictate or am i believing that we're created in the image of god and that he has given us a mind to think. He has given us a desire to worship something and we're to worship God for he is the one that is able to raise one up and take another one down. And I really do believe great change is coming for Canada. I'm optimistic, but I also know that no matter what happens, if God is with me, then all things will work out for good. And if it's not good, then God's not done. He's still working something out, but we have to work it. And Laura Lynn, hats off to you. You're working the vision. You're not just talking about it, reading about it, telling other people. You are doing the stuff. And pastors, you need to do the stuff. You need to pray, read your word. You need to reach out to people in need in your community. You need to sow into praying for even Ottawa, even the leadership, even the leadership races that are happening right now in our nation. You need to pray into it and you need to love people because love never fails according to first corinthians 13 it never fails it's 100 percent. love never fails so that's the answer and that is a good answer and i liked what you said about the what'd you say the rough rough sails make good sailors or <laughs> rough seas make good sailors <laughs> <laughs> that's it really trying like times that. make good yeah. pastors trying times make good <laughs> leaders because we right. got to go deep and we find right. out what the root is. And really in our country, Canada okay. right now, we're finding out what is the root of leadership right now? Because we yeah, need we some sure leadership are. to come forth that has the heart of the working, yeah. the heart of the, the moms, the single moms, the single dads, our young adults, they need direction. They need a role model. And uh, anyway, and we got to press in even harder because it's a yeah, it's a tough time. And thank you for doing what you're doing. You're a rare and wonderful individual. And I pray God's blessing on you. Thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Laura Lynn. Look forward to when we see each other in person. And we will be praying for you that all that's been written about you in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to fulfill it in Jesus' name. Amen. I received that. <laughs> thank you. God bless. What a nice man.
yeah, um, I've been thinking about, you know, sort of what is written in our destinies. Why, why do I do what I do and run all over the nation and nations and uh, sit in airports that are super loud? This is what this was why I put you on hold or on on mute there for a while. Um, I like that, Pastor. You know, we do have a destiny. We have to stay in our lane. We have to do what we're called to do. Um, one of the guys who stays in his lane every single night is Tucker Carlson. And I know that I talk about him here and there because I, I think he's so phenomenal. And uh, he has got a little clip that I wanted you to see with some good information. So take a look at this. Roll it. Nobody wants to talk about COVID anymore, and that's certainly understandable. This country lost so much in two years, it's depressing to think about it. And the instinct is just to move on. But unfortunately, we don't have that luxury, and for two reasons. First, politicians are continuing to use the virus as a pretext to force their agendas on an unwilling and weary population. That's happening still, believe it or not. And second, and maybe more significantly long-term, Somebody's got to rescue science from the ideologues who all of a sudden have taken it over. Science must be objective. Science must be honest. Otherwise, everything falls apart. So with that in mind, this story. In April of last year, researchers at the CDC concluded a months-long study of thousands of healthcare workers. They included first responders, nurses, physicians. The point of the study was to assess whether the COVID vaccine was working. Researchers split the healthcare workers into two groups, vaccinated and unvaccinated, and then they watched. What they found was so significant that the head of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, went directly to MSNBC to tell the world what researchers had found. And here's what she said. This is word for word. Quote, our data from the CDC today suggests that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. And that's not just in clinical trials, but also in real world data. Now that turned out not simply to be untrue, but in some sense to be the opposite of the truth. In some cases, the vaccine are more likely to get variants of COVID. The death rates around the world for the vaccinated are extraordinarily high. But at the time, anyone who had doubts about what Rochelle Walensky said was told to shut up. Those who questioned her out loud were kicked off social media. If you kept questioning, you might be fired from your job. Doubting Rochelle Walensky's promises, doubting the Biden administration's claims about the COVID vaccine was totally unacceptable. It was like questioning their views on herd immunity or mandatory masking for children or airline passengers or closing the schools. Now that we know that virtually everything they said about COVID was wrong, however, no one has admitted it and no one has been punished. No one at the CDC was fired for this. In fact, they were elevated under Joe Biden. The people who made these claims, these false claims, have even more power than ever. Rochelle Lewinsky is back on television. She's demanding that parents force their children as young as six months old to take the COVID shot. They're all saying this, Tony Fauci, Joe Biden too, watch. I know many parents with very young children have been anticipating this day. Parents, I strongly encourage you to get your children vaccinated. They do get infected and they do pass the infection. So we would hope that family members who are responsible for the children will realize that and will be enthusiastic about getting their children vaccinated. And finally, COVID-19 vaccinations for children uh, uh, over five years of age. Finally, some peace of mind. Amazingly, despite all of their demonstrated failures, all of their documented dishonesty, 
those three people are still, as of tonight, in charge of this country's response to COVID. It's remarkable if you think about it. So parents thinking about how to treat their own children are in a very tough position. One of the COVID shots that Walensky and Fauci and Biden are telling you to give your small kids is manufactured by Moderna. Now you might recall that Moderna's COVID vaccine for adults was suspended from use in several countries after researchers found that it caused potentially very dangerous heart inflammation in young people. The other COVID vaccine that's been approved for toddlers in the United States is made by Pfizer. Pfizer's vaccine for adults has also been linked to heart damage, to myocarditis in young people. So a lot of parents are wondering, should we give this to our toddler? I don't think we should give it to our toddlers. You know how I feel about it. I don't think that these um, crimes against humanity perpetrators should still be in power. And I fail to see why all of this is uh, going on still after all this time, after all the data, all that is actually available to real doctors, uh, real scientists, um, and, and all of the testing and the new information that keeps developing out of the vaccine implementation. Why is that not honored? And why do we still have these liars in place? I don't get any of that. Um, now, there is um, the Stand United Worldwide Rally is going on this Saturday. Uh, there is some big ones coming up. So even in the Netherlands, they're going to be doing that. The Netherlands, and I know that we've got this one right here. Oh, I went too far, didn't I? We've got, um, this is in, uh, from Moose Jaw to Regina, everybody. And, um, and also, yeah, thank you, Aaron, for reminding me that in a whole lot of cities, the nationwide um, stand for our bodily autonomy and all of the doctors and different ones that are gathering together. This is going on in all kinds of places. And the one that you have on your screen right now, Friday, July 22nd, um, 2022. So that is this Friday, and I believe it's in many, many places across uh, Canada. This is in the Okotoks, Alberta. And there's one going on, I believe, in Vancouver and a whole bunch, and then if you would like to know more about how Canadians are now standing with the, uh, the Dutch and the Netherlands and the farmers, uh, I'll see if I can show you something here because uh, I don't know if I can get back to it. Um, oh, look at this. Yeah, take a look. These are the Dutch. They are dumping out milk in droves absolutely tragic and sad they are taking milk and dumping it out and of course we love milk and we want to honor the milk but you know what these farmers are saying they're saying this is not just milk this is our life blood and what they're doing is they're making it impossible for farmers to survive what kind of society and world is going to make it impossible for farmers the very ones farmers you know what i know about them from my time that i spent in alberta is that they are the salt of the earth these are the people that will give you the shirt off their backs and so i absolutely uh, i honor these guys and they're doing this in protest. There's all kinds of protests actually going on. And I don't know if you saw in Panama, but as food shortages are beginning to, to uh, ignite, they are also 
um, taking to the streets. There's barely a country in the world that's not taking to the streets right now for some crazy thing that these uh, nut jobs are doing to us. So um, thank you so much to Gary, who is writing me, um, even as we speak, to make sure that I remind everyone of what's happening. Um, this is uh, Italian farmers are rising up. They are standing. Isn't that cool? This is happening in Italy right now. And I think it's really neat that people are doing that. All right, can I leave you with a scripture before we go? Um, thank you. My website is lauralyn.tv. And I hope that you'll join us over on that site. Whenever you're wondering, hey, where'd she go? Because she's maybe missing off some of the regular places. Um, just go to our website. You can see all the shows that we've been doing. And, uh, and be part of us. Absolutely love it. I am very grateful for men like Pastor Dan who stood today um, to tell us that we need to fight, stand together, be together, do what's right, honor God, follow hard after His principles and uh, purposes. Um, whenever the Lord is in something, we know that it's all going to work out. When it's not good, um, is when a nation does not honor God. I said to Nathaniel Pavlovsky, as we have been traveling in the vehicles and getting around the U.S. a little, um, I said, when God decides that he is implementing some judgment, I have to get out of the way. And you see, I'm a bit of a fighter. So what happens is, if I see something going wrong, I like to just speak up about it. But lately, um, I've been asking the Lord to make it very clear, like, if God is bringing judgment to a nation because of their uh, corruption, their perversion, their lack of care and love for their fellow man, if God is doing that, then who am I to stand before that? So if the Lord is implementing it, I can't even change it. There's no amount of protesting in the streets that can change it. When God decides to set things right, you will see the unjust fall in a day. Sometimes God's able to fully do that. Psalms 119, it says, blessed are those, I'm gonna put my glasses on because I, I just like to look a lot smarter than your average Joe. So. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame. When I consider all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. You know, the good news is, is that God will never forsake us. But what does it take to say, I follow you, you know, with an upright heart? Can you say that about your heart today? Um, 
Can you actually brag on your own heart and say, I have done my best to walk righteously before God? If not, it's time to get to that place because we do not want to be in a state of compromise when God is dealing out some, some justice in the land. Our country of Canada has fallen. We do not have good justice in the courts. We do not have we do not have the the law on our side at times. The mainstream is bought out. If God is dealing with Canada, maybe that's a very, very good thing. And rest assured, when he's dealing with the unrighteous, he blesses the righteous. Make sure your heart is in an upright place. God bless you, everyone. Take care. See you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.